0: Healing Wisdom is made possible by members like you and sustaining members like Michael Brabowski. You can become a sustaining member of WOMR for as little as $15 a month. For more information, call 508-487-2619 or visit our website at WOMR.org where you can learn more about Legacy Gifts and Planned Giving. You're tuned in to 92.1 WOMR-FM Provincetown and 91.3 WFMR-FM Orleans, the voice and spirit of Cape Cod. I bid you welcome to another episode of Healing Wisdom. I'm your host, Pandora People's Chartered Herbalist and Psychic Medium. Healing Wisdom explores mind-body-soul connections as we discuss the healing effects of the arts, metaphysical concepts, intuition, and the spiritual aspects of everyday living, Healing Wisdom Begins in the Heart. Our theme music is provided by Mystic Pete. Hello out there! This is part two of two with my guest Dr. Chip Thomas, a.k.a. Jetsonarama. He is a photographer and physician on the Navajo Reservation. Here we talk about his project with the UN and his record-breaking bike trek across South Africa.
1: Even though there's coal, oil, natural gas, uranium, and water and, and aquifers here. So everybody <laughs> with those resources <laughs> here should have running water, and electricity. So when the pandemic came, because the president of the Navajo Nation, Jonathan Nez, I thought made a beautiful comment um, and a somewhat sad and poignant comment in that the virus exploited one of the greatest strengths of the Diné, of the Navajo people, which is their emphasis on ke, or kinship, family, relationships, so it's not unusual here to have multi-generational homes where you'll have grandma, grandpa with their kids and grandkids. Um, so in that context where there are you know many people in a home or um, living close together in a family compound um, with challenges regarding running water and electricity, um, it wasn't surprising that when the virus appeared here, Late March of 2020, it, it, it literally exploded. Um, so by the end of March 2020, April, New York City and New Jersey were leading the country with the most number of cases per 100,000, But by June, May, June of that uh, 2020, the most cases per 100,000 in the United States were, was here on the uh, Navajo Nation. But by the same token, less than a year later, once a vaccine was introduced, and by February of 2021, there were over 90 percent of people eligible for the vaccine were vaccinated. So I think I heard a figure this morning that roughly 1,600 people out of 180,000 have perished. Due to the pandemic, and sadly, you know, these are a lot of these are older people. Not necessarily all older people. I mean, I know, yeah, people across the spectrum who have passed away. But these are also knowledge keepers, especially the older people, you know, who know the traditions, the songs, the uh, ceremonies for healing and wellness. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's been a difficult time. You, one of the questions you said you were going to. Run by me was, you know, I was chosen to be a participant in a project by the UN to come up with um, a community based art project that would give a community an opportunity to grieve and, you know, to perhaps start the healing process. But, you know, one of the things that occurred to me early on, because the UN asked why I thought it was important to do such a project, I really had to take a step back and, you know, ask. Is it important that the UN do do such a project if we're talking about you know people who have been on this continent for fifteen thousand to forty thousand years depending on which anthropologist you read you know these are the people who have been through pandemics who have been through plagues you know who know re- resiliency so you know <laughs> A better question might be, what can we learn from them (laughs) in going through such a pandemic, even though this this pandemic has such a devastating impact on the community?
0: So then what did you do with this project?
1: So, yeah, so what I did was I didn't want to be accused of appropriation. I didn't want to be accused of having taken money from the UN that could have gone directly to Diné communities. So I brought together a small team of activists and artists to, to process, you know, what approach we might take, how we might engage community. But, you know, again, in a place that has infrastructure issues, such as, you know, there's not, there's, there's issues with broad with broadband connectivity, especially 25% of the population doesn't have electricity. So trying to commit with to meet with community members during the pandemic has proven challenging, um, so my co- my committee, my team, um, to come up with the project <laughs> um, for grieving and to start the healing process still exists. Um, hopefully we'll have better luck in 2022, but it also occurred to me along the way that I need to take care of my... <laughs> mental health and wellness as I go through this pandemic and, and its challenges.
0: Yeah. It sounds like you're very overextended as it is with, with all of your work as a doctor in the midst of COVID still. So, and not to mention, I mean, all of the issues, it sounds like 13 supermarkets for the Navajo nation, bigger than West Virginia. Is not anywhere near sufficient enough to provide people with healthy and fresh food.
1: My team interviewed, talked with people who are doing permaculture land rematriation re- work to see if there's a way we can support their efforts to literally reconnect people with the land to grow more food. But yeah, it's yeah, it's an it's an
0: an ongoing effort. Yeah, I think yucca and things like of that variety are more the things that really grow easily in the in the desert, right? It's a it's a <laughs> There aren't a, there aren't a lot of orchard opportunities, so you have to really like bring water, right? Like yeah, Well, but
1: yeah, about for... the same token. I mean, you know, again, one of the resources here is water and aquifers. So mm-hmm. there there are canyons where there are natural springs. Yeah. But I mean, you know, yeah, they, (laughs) um, it is a high desert environment. So the majority of the land is arid and not really suitable for uh, farming. Yeah. So, I mean, people here historically were uh, foragers, you know, they were uh, moving from point A to point B seasonally to collect herbs and food. Um, And, you know, that way of life has been disrupted with people living in settlements, towns, villages yeah
0: right right so um can you talk a little bit about the uranium mining there was an art project that you did around it and
1: so short answer <laughs> to your question about the history of u- uranium mining here on the navajo nation danae Bikeya. Well, okay. So, one thing that people get confused is they think that the uranium ore that went into the atomic bomb um, in Nagasaki, Hiroshima, came from Denebakaya or other native lands where it was being mined. But actually, that ore came from Southern Africa, from um, the Democratic Republic of the Congo, DRC. But the Manhattan Project and the ore for the arsenal for democracy aka the cold war from 1944 to 1984 i think about 70 now actually only 40% of that ore came from navajo lands but there were over 500 mine sites and each mine site could have anywhere from 1 to 10 different areas that were being excuse me excavated for uranium ore but because the mining companies were um, using mining laws that were put in place in the 1800s for mining precious minerals. Um, they didn't have to <laughs> clean up their sites when the price of uh, the uranium ore dropped in the 80s and they all like closed shop and left. So unfortunately, there's over now 500 abandoned uranium mine sites, which are contaminating water sources, the land, um, crops, animals, and ultimately people. So rates of various cancers, respiratory problems are higher here than in the general population. Fortunately, the EPA just gave to the Navajo Nation this past year, 2021, I think enough money to clean up 10 percent. Of the uranium mines that have been abandoned, so yeah,
0: wow, that's really something I would love to end this on a high note in nineteen ninety two you know as as you had mentioned very briefly, you were a trek physician on a Guinness book of world records breaking twelve thousand twelve thousand miles, and you biked seven to eighty miles a day. Can you talk about that, what that experience was like? Again, you could write a whole book on it, but could you talk about what it was like to be carrying like 100 pounds of weight through the Sahara and like trying to keep everyone healthy?
1: Yeah, I just want to say (laughs) never say never and persistence pays uh, because, uh, yeah, I, I had never done anything like this before. There were uh, two American, two white American cyclists, uh, the Butner brothers, Dan Butner and his brother Steve. I was the third American cyclist, and then the fourth position was split between two cyclists from the African continent: Mobalaji Oduoye from Lagos, and Michael Mpiangu from Uganda, Kampala. So they split the trip. Mobilaji was with us for the first half because he was, he has studied to be a pastry chef in France and spoke French. Um, And then he cycled with us to Uganda where Michael Mpiangu, who speaks Swahili was with us for the second portion of the trip down to South Africa. So it was, I don't, it was just one of the most mind blowing things I've ever done. And like I said, there were many times I, uh, was ready to <laughs> cycle to the closest town and pack my bags and fly back to the states because I was just you know on a regular basis getting my butt kicked. A funny thing. Okay, so in the seventies when I was in college, there was the Nestle boycott because Nestle was dressing paying women in developing countries to put on nursing outfits and to go into hospitals and and to maternity wards and to pass out free samples of Nestle formula to women who had just given birth. And they would get maybe a month's worth of formula, just enough that if the woman used it every day, (laughs) by the time she ran out of formula, her breast milk would dry up. And, you know, so women were trying to Stretched the packets out and they were diluting them. They were using water that wasn't always purified. So in the 70s, there was like a rash from around the world. There was a plethora of infant deaths all related to this (laughs) very aggressive marketing campaign on uh, behalf of Nestle. So um, there was a boycott of Nestle and Nestle products in the 70s. And I, I took part in that boycott. OK, so fast forward is now 1992. I'm cycling across Africa. <laughs> and um, we met a cyclist from Canada who was studying to be <laughs> studying for his um, graduate degree in physics from Dartmouth, I think. Who realized he wasn't happy, he just needed to defend his thesis and he would, you know, he was done. But he decided to take off five months and cycle from the top of Africa to Kenya. So he joined our team. And he said he was getting his energy by getting these cans of simulac, which is the Nestle formula. (laughs) It's a complex carbohydrate. So I I would get these cans of Nestle formula. And then go into the market and frequently the market was just, you know, people sitting on the ground in an area selling their wares. And I would look for smoke coming from. (laughs) So what these women would do, women who had bees would have it would have honey in a big vat. And in order to keep bees away from their honey, they were selling. They would make a fire to, you know, to smoke the bees away. So I was able to identify, and I would get jars of honey, and then I would, in my water bottles, mix um, the Nestle formula with the honey. And I went from being the slowest, most miserable cyclist on our team to being the lead cyclist every day. So (laughs) I'm not advocating for uh, Nestle products, but I am saying, I guess, never say never, and persistence pays. So, but yeah, we, we finished in South Africa in August of 1993, we finished, we were in Cape Town on the same day, Amy Elizabeth Bill, the 26 year old student from Stanford was blooded to death in a, in crossroads. We had a meeting with Walter Sisulu, who was a minister in the African National Congress who brought Mandela into the African National Congress who was on Robin Island with him for 26 years. Mandela was there for 27 years. It was just, yeah, there was, yeah, it was an, an amazing experience. But the thing that I got from that was the importance of taking time off every five to six years to leave my circumstances and to get out of my comfort zone. And in order to think outside the box, you know, I just have to occasionally get out of the box.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's very cool. And, you know, I have to ask you this question because it's reported that in a lot of cultures, like say Morocco in India and the Middle East and various regions that the women tend to be, at least it looks to (laughs) to outsiders, like the women are doing a lot more physical manual labor than the men. And the men will be sitting around drinking like, like maybe like just a strong coffee and maybe smoking some cigarettes. And the women are like, just busting their butts, just, like, doing everything all day long. Yeah. Either at the marketplace or for their farms or some combination of, you know. Yeah. Did you see that there?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. But, you know, I I think there's a natural tendency for women to nurture. Um, I'm going to be identified as being sexist. But I think, you know, having the experience of giving birth, Mm-hmm. And just being kind of fiercely protective of your offspring and those close to you whom you love. Women, I think, just will do anything to protect those they love. And that means, you know, just being the glue of society, you know, holding everything down, holding their families together. But I, that's <laughs> a quick reflection without a whole lot of thought.
0: you you mentioned briefly your experience in South Africa. Did you want to elaborate any more on that? Okay. uh,
1: I mean, yeah, I I came of age during the anti-apartheid movement. You know, it's like I kind of got my political footing with people like Desmond Tutu, who was one of my heroes in the uh, 80s, you know, who just passed away last week. And uh, Stephen Biko and Mandela, you know, just... um, all these names of people who were fighting for freedom and liberation and equality for their people, you know, were people I respected and looked up to. So to have an opportunity to then go into this place that was still practicing apartheid, yeah, was <laughs> something I was looking forward to. You know, I mean, I had some very difficult experiences in South Africa being physically assaulted myself. and But I it really helps to if one has the capacity, has the um, resources to travel, it really helps to go and to experience things firsthand because, you know, it was very easy to think of a, I can't think of the word, but a diametric, you know, things being uh, either black or white. But literally to go to South Africa and to meet whites who were members of the ANC, who had sacrificed their, their lives and their well-being, you know, in the struggle for equality was enlightening. You know, it's like it wasn't all the whites or I guess all the blacks, you know, it's like, yeah.
0: Thank you so much, Dr. Chip Thomas, for being with us today. I'm so grateful.
1: Thank you for the opportunity, Pandora. Have a great 2022.
0: Rock on. Healing Wisdom is made possible by members like you and sustaining members like Michael Brobowski. You can become a sustaining member of WOMR for as little as $15 a month. For more information, call 508-487-2619 or visit our website at WOMR.org, where you can learn more about Legacy Gifts and Planned Giving. You're tuned in to 92.1 WOMR-FM Provincetown and 91.3 WFMR-FM Orleans, the voice and spirit of Cape Cod. I bid you welcome to another episode of Healing Wisdom. I'm your host, Pandora Peoples, chartered herbalist and psychic medium. Healing Wisdom explores mind-body-soul connections as we discuss the healing effects of the arts, metaphysical concepts, intuition, and the spiritual aspects of everyday living, Healing wisdom begins in the heart. Our theme music is provided by Mystic Pete.